we've been in a series uh, called The Culture of the King. And so I'm going to jump off that today and then we'll come back on it again. Um, but I want to talk about building locally but thinking globally. You say that with me, building locally, but thinking globally. We serve a big God. I don't believe God is particularly interested in geography. I think God is particularly interested in people. God isn't more interested in one part of the world than the other. He is interested in the whole world. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Our vision and our mission statement all have the world inside of them. Our vision is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, fulfill their dreams, and change the world, and change the world. We've got to think globally. We've got to act globally. And so often, it's our upbringing, it's our background that can sometimes hinder us. You know, I grew up in England. We've got lots of British people here today. But British people can be small thinking. Obviously not the people who, the Brits are in the room because they're in another country. But because we live on an island, and it's a small island, the thought of driving five hours is something I remember as a kid just dreading. Oh, we're going to go on vacation. We're going to have to drive five hours. Well, if you drive five or six hours in England, you're going to end up in the ocean because it's such a small island. Whereas you can drive, we did it this, week, this year. We, were, we drove 7,000 miles. I forget how many hours we were in the car. That's a long way. There's something that when we capture, not just by where we grew up, not just uh, the own paradigm of our thinking, but we start to think kingdom, we start to think bigger. I remember my dad who um, pastored a church for 28 years in, in Bath, where well, you know about the story of Bath, but, and I remember him saying, we will never own a building because the church is organic and it's not about buildings and it's, it's just about people. And he was invited to come and speak in the United States and he came back and he said, we're going to buy a building. <laughs> what had happened, it wasn't an American thing, it was a small thinking thing. It was a small-minded thing and he learned something about God that God is a big God. And we need to think big. It's nothing to do with buildings in itself. Um, but the, I, it's important that we understand that to, to, to think kingdom is to think big. That which raised you can later restrict you. That which raised you can later restrict you. If you're raised in a small, you know, in England, the houses are, are normally smaller. You normally live in a small house. Why? Because there's not that much land. You drive a smaller car because the roads are smaller. You get paid less and tax more and everything's more expensive. That's another whole issue. But my point is you, it's easy because of the way we were raised that we end up being restricted in our thinking and we have a small mindset. But I want to suggest to you this morning that that's not a God mindset because God thinks globally because God is interested in the whole world for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That's why so often when we define something, we can confine it. And it's important that we don't allow the confinements of our thinking to restrict the call of God on our life, both individually and corporately. And so I want to provoke us this morning to think 
about breaking out so that we realize that we serve a God with a big vision because there's a big vision that, that, that God has got for us. The word that Talia brought was that there were doors opening. There's doors. God wants to open doors. God is now, not tomorrow. He is opening doors. And today, church, I want to talk about doors that it need to be opened in our hearts to allow us to keep moving forward. I didn't know what the prophetic word was going to be today, but we're going to talk about it. Amen? Because sometimes we can just go on and just go back to, well, this is what we'd had planned, but God has spoken today, and I want to hone in and say, God, if you have spoken, we are, we are listening. Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen? Otherwise, what are we doing? Right? This is God's house. He really is in charge. Amen? He's the boss. You know, in, in one of my favorite scriptures is in Deuteronomy 28, 20, 32, verse 11, and it says this, As an eagle stirs up its nest and then swoops down to catch its young. That is what the Lord does to us. He breaks up the eagle's nest. He breaks up things to cause us to fall because we're destined to fly. Amen? So the eagle, the mother eagle which in Ezekiel chapter 1 is one of the faces of God. Therefore, there's something about the eagle that we can learn about God himself. The eagle breaks up the nest to cause the eaglets to fall out so that they can fly. And sometimes in life, we can blame other people. We can blame the devil himself and say, why is all these things happening? Where can I suggest to you, perhaps it's God wanting to push you out so that you can see that he has a bigger vision for you than just sitting in a nest. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, I've, uh, I, I've been provoked this week and scared at times seeing my two 15-year-old twins learning to drive. <laughs> it, it, it freaks me out. I mean, I'm just like, okay, whoa, whoa. This is really scary. And hands up if you can remember learning to drive in a parking lot. Okay. Learning to drive in a parking lot. The reason we learn to drive in a parking lot is because parking lots are safe, right? Ish. Parking lots don't have, they have potholes. Parking lots don't have lots of traffic, agreed? Tra parking lots don't have many people, many road rages on them. Parking lots don't have stop signs. Parking lots don't have traffic lights. P parking lots don't have people for the most part. If you go to an empty parking lot, you can teach your kids to drive and the purpose of the parking lot is to keep them safe and in an, and in an environment where they can learn without all the hustle and bustle of the things that normally go on on a normal road or a normal highway, right? That's why we do it. The title of my message, if you want today, is this. What is your lot? What's your lot? The word of the Lord today is I'm opening doors and I want you to think bigger. The word of the Lord today is I want you to get out of the parking lot. Talking to Isaac and Judah, they were freaking out, learning. I'm just, okay, I'm in a parking lot. This is really scary. And then to one of them, we said, are you ready to go on the main road? No, I don't want to go on the main road. I'm just not ready yet to be in traffic with other cars. They started to drive in Fee's car, which was a Mini. It's easy to navigate. It's easy to drive. The thought of going onto a bigger car terrified them. You know, sometimes in life, we live in a parking lot because it's safe. 
because there's not a lot of traffic, because there's not a lot of hazards, there's not lots of lights and turn signals and people honking you and people not paying attention. It's not nearly as crazy so we can live in this parking lot. But God wants to give us more roads. He wants to give us bigger cars. He wants us to enlarge the place of our tent. And he wants to spread out from the north, the south, the east, and the west. But we have to break parking lot thinking. What's your lot? What's your lot? You know, a lot may not be a person. A lot may be an event. A lot may be all kinds of things. And this morning, I just want to touch on this one passage of Scripture. So if you can turn there, it's in Genesis chapter 13, and we're going to read it together. I may be in a different translation to you, but I'm going to read the whole chapter. Then you've got a lot, big chunk of scripture that you can chew on for the rest of the week. What's your lot? Say that with me. What's your lot? What's your lot? So, verse 1, Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, and his wife and everything he had and, sorry, with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Okay, first of all, a couple of things to underscore. Abram represents faith, and Lot represents flesh. Say that with me. Abram, faith, Lot, flesh. Abram, Lot. Okay, really important. So when you're reading this, that's the context, okay? That Abraham represents the faith and Lot represents the, fe- fl- the flesh. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. And from the Negev, he went to the place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ar, where his tents had been earlier and where he had first built an altar to the Lord. There, Abraham called on the name of the Lord. It's a good thing to call on the name of the Lord. Now, Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling. Everyone say quarreling. You know, there's always quarrel between faith and the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 says the spirit and the flesh are in conflict with one another. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. Verse 8. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between us, between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before us? Let's part company. If you go left, then I'll go right. If you go right... Then I'll go left. First point I just want to underscore here is that faith rests. Say that with me. Faith rests. If you're a person of faith, it doesn't really matter if you go left or right because faith rests. Verse 10. Lot looked up and saw that the well plains of the Jordan were well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the well watered plains of the Jordan and set out towards the east. Two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived amongst the cities of the plains and pitched his tents in Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Listen to this, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look to the north and the south and the east and the west and the land that you see I will give to you and your offsprings forever. I will make your offsprings like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Now go and walk 
through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tents and lived near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Isn't that an amazing passage of Scripture about faith? Can you see how that fits with what God has prophetically already said to us today about getting bigger and thinking bigger and enlarging our vision because there's doors that God wants to open for us. But if we do that, we have to think big and think outside of just the parking lot that keeps us safe. We've got to move when God moves. When God speaks, we're going to say, God, I'm ready to go. But there's some things that have to happen. And the first thing that had to happen before God spoke is he says, I want you to separate from the flesh. Lot represents the flesh. And when you see what Lot did, he chose easy street. He chose the well-watered plains. And as soon as Abraham turns around, he's faced with a mountain. And God says to him, now, Abraham. Now, I want to speak to you. Now that you're separated. You know, there are some things that God won't speak to you in the presence of Lot. There are certain things that God will hold from us while Lot is present. But when, as God's people, we say, Lord, I hear the word of the Lord. I'm listening to what you have to say. And I'm going to separate myself from the flesh. Boom! Verse 14, God speaks, and this is what he says. Go and walk the length and the breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Because you're a man of faith, Abraham, because you believed me, and because you got rid of the flesh, and you trusted me, and faith rested in no matter what you, whatever, whatever the flesh chooses, that's fine. The moment that happened, God spoke to him. And church, I want to suggest to us today that when we deal with the flesh, when we deal with doubt, when we deal with these things, when we deal with parking lot thinking, and we, then God will begin to speak about the whole world. Amen? We need to think outside of just the parking lot. There are certain things that God can't say to you in the presence of Lot. There are certain things that God can't say to us in the presence of Lot. There are certain things that God can't do with us in a parking lot. There are certain things that God can't do with us while Lot, the flesh, is present. What's your Lot? What's your Lot? What's hindering you? What's the smallness of your thinking that's keeping you in a parking lot? What is your Lot? Maybe it's a, a flesh. But you know, sometimes... The lot in our life is not a person. It can just be a mindset. And we're going to pray in just a moment about mindsets and that God is going to break something because if God's spoken powerfully today about expanding our vision and walking through doors, we need to do it and we're going to do it today. And I believe a line in the sand is going to be drawn in some of our thinking. The smallness of thinking, God wants to break it apart. He says, I want you to pull out and go on the highway. One of my children said this week, Dad, I pulled out with Mum onto the highway, onto the main road, and it was really, it was really, really exhilarating. It was so cool. And the other side, I am not going to pull out onto the main road yet. I am so scared. You know, they are normal feelings, normal emotions, but you cannot stay in a parking lot. What's your lot? 
to break small thinking. Not to just have American thinking, but to have God thinking. And God is a big God. What defines you often confines you. Well, that's just the way I was raised. I understand that. But whatever culture you were raised in, that culture must submit to the culture of the king. Well, that's just that's what I thought was right. In uh, Mark chapter 7, Jesus says, You have a funny way of honoring the traditions taught by men. God isn't interested in our religious thinking. He's interested in him pouring out on us. Okay, so here's some things. Your lot may not be a person. It may not be a physical parking lot. It may not be the flesh. It may not be just a safe place, but it could be a mindset. It could be your environment. You could be in an environment that is causing you to have lot thinking. Parking lot thinking. You could be in an environment where you are restricted. That which raised you, perhaps now, is restricting you. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus, it says, could not do very many miracles because he was in his hometown. He was in his hometown. Listen to this. Just, I want you to listen carefully and hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. But there can be a sense that when we, ha- when, when we are in family, that the sin of familiarity comes. And we fail to recognize the anointing on one another. It happened with with Jesus. It can happen with you. Jesus was only able to do a few miracles because of the sin of familiarity. Familiarity. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Your lot may be familiarity. And that doesn't mean flesh and blood, but family. And can I encourage you? You have to rise above that. You have to get out of that. Amen? Should I keep going? Okay, here's another one. Attitude. Everyone say attitude. Attitude. You know, if you have grit in your mouth, everything tastes like grit. If you have a bad attitude, it will affect every area of your life until you get rid of your attitude. You can drink coffee, you can eat candy, you can eat ice cream, but if there's grit in your mouth, ice cream, burgers, whatever you're eating, will taste like grit. And that's why your parking lot could be, not a person, not the flesh, not a physical parking lot, but just a terrible attitude. You know, some people are so opinionated, they actually create a parking lot. And they wonder why their opinions that are so amazing, no one cares about. It's because the attitude behind it and the opinion is so harsh, they actually alienate people. It's a parking lot and you're stuck. And God is saying, there's a doorway here. Come through the doorway. Come through the doorway. But until we change our attitude, the, doorways, the doors keep closing. That's why I believe the Spirit of the Lord is touching this today to say, I'm drawing a line. I want you to leave that behind. I want you to cross over the line because, and I want to deal with your attitude because it's not about you. It's about the generations to come. Society grows when men plant trees. We've said this a million times. 
When men plant trees, they know they'll never sit in the shade of. That's global thinking. That's generational thinking. That's victorious thinking. It's great news. I've read the end of the book. We win. It's really, it ends well. Amen. That's a good word, Dan. Just keep preaching to yourself. Listen, don't define yourself by what you disagree with. Have you ever met somebody? Oh, I disagree with that. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Shut up. <laughs> Find your identity in what you do agree with. It's an identity issue. My dad used to teach us as kids, if you don't have any ni- anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But find the good. Find the beauty. Find what's good. And if you disagree, that's okay. Maybe just keep it to yourself until there's a right moment. Because if you don't, you may find, I've been going around this parking lot. I know all of these things. I'm so clever. I'm so intelligent. I've got such insight. And yet nobody, I can't seem to pull out onto the main road. I wonder why. Well, maybe you just need to keep your opinions to yourself sometimes. Okay. Hello. You know, I'm not talking about anyone here. I'm just talking about our friends, you know. We, we all know that. It's no one here. Okay. But, but here's, here you can check. we can all check ourselves here. We can, all, we, can all, we can just check, hey, is this, is this me? Instead of looking at somebody else. But, because it starts here. When you point the finger, there's normally three pointing at you, right? So start with yourself. Examine yourself before you think, oh, that's somebody else. Okay. But we need to be careful with this because I believe these are things that keep us in a parking lot. And listen, I want to say again, God wants us to think bigger and God wants to open doors today. I love that word, Talia. Where's Talia? Today. Today. God wants to open doors today, not tomorrow, not on Wednesday, not next month, not next year, today. God wants to open doors today. He's saying, I want you to think bigger. I want you to get out because I've given you the the north, the south, the east, and the west. And it could be just an adjustment of my, I I, I need to get rid of that, that, that lot thinking. What's your lot? If it's the flesh, Tell your flesh you're fired today. Get out. I'm not, I'm not listening to you anymore. I love Eugene Peterson's uh, Romans chapter 6. It's in, when about baptism. It says, sin, you're no longer at sin's every beck and call. It speaks a dead language to you. I love that. You are no longer at sin's beck and call. It speaks a dead language to you. It's dead. It's done. Tell it to shut up. Flesh, you're fired. Be quiet. I'm not running any more little errands for you anymore. But we can adjust it. And you'll see, you know, you'll, you'll actually find, you know, we once did a negativity fast here. Maybe we should do it again. It's rubbish, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Okay. But, you know, we, we can sometimes, in, even in worship, we, you know when it's you're becoming more about you when we start worship we start scoring worship. Oh, I don't like that worship. I don't like that song. I didn't like. It's not about you. Thank you. <laughs> I think it was somebody said to John Wimber once, I don't like the I didn't like the worship today. He goes, Don't worry, it wasn't for you. 
See, if we keep worshipping and scoring, we keep scoring worship, you're actually worshipping you. Ah, okay, I'm going to back to... All right. Uh, here's next one. Unhealthy heart or unhealthy thinking. Unhealthy. It may not, here's what we're talking about. Lot may not be a person. It could be a mindset. It could be your environment. It could be your attitude. It could be an unhealthy heart. You know, I, I think I've used this, this, this illustration before, but we were renting a house in England and the people who owned the house were coming back from London and we tried to, um, to, to extend our lease and they said, sorry, you can't. Um, we're coming back, so you have to get out. So um, I went on a website, which is like the equivalent to maybe like Zillow, um, called Right Move, and we looked for apartments in Bath. And as I was looking at all these apartments on my iPhone, as I was looking at them, I thought, man, that's really dirty apartment. And so I'm honing in like, gross. Not moving there. So we move on to the next one. It's like, wow, that's expensive for another dirty apartment. And then I'd look at the kitchen. It's dirty. Then I look at the bedroom. It's dirty. Look at the dining room. It's dirty. I was like, what's wrong with the houses in Bath? Why are they all so dirty? And then I realized that my screen was dirty. <laughs> so I repented. Listen, if you have dirt on your heart, on the lens of your heart, everything you see, you will see through the lens of that grubby dirtiness. You'll look at God that way. You'll look at your friends that way. You'll look at testimonies that way. You'll look at the goodness that people celebrating what God is doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, clean your heart. Scrub your heart clean. And God was like, you know, the great thing is we can do that today so that we can look at yourself good. You can look at other people good. See, if the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength, and then to love your neighbor as you love yourself, if you're critical about you, you're probably going to be critical about me. Hello. Selah. Okay. Dirty iPhone screen. That's what I wrote down. Dirty, dirty lens of your heart. We need to clean our heart. We need to get rid of some basic things like guilt and shame. Reckon, living on the right side of the cross, living in the light of the finished work of the cross. You're not a, you are not a slave. You are not a sinner. You're a saint and you're a son. Why? Because when Jesus said it is finished to Telestai, it was paid in full. And now we're not on that side of the cross. We're on this side of the cross. We were once in darkness, but now we're in the marvelous kingdom of light. And it really is marvelous. It's a marvelous kingdom. But if you don't believe it, what on earth should the world believe it? If your vision for your life doesn't get you up in the morning, why is it certainly not going to get anybody else up in the morning? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. You know, shame says I did something wrong. Sorry, guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says there's something wrong with me. If you do a word study on the word shame, you will see even Isaiah 61, for our shame, we got a double portion. You know, there's, I can't stand it when people say shame on you. It's like shame on you. That's what Jesus carried on the cross. 
It's not shame on you. It's shame off you. Speak shame. See, remember guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says there's something wrong with me. If we live in shame, we live in a reality that I am broken. There's something wrong with me. But there isn't. If we live in the fullness of the cross, I have the mind of Christ. That's why confession is so powerful. The first person to hear you speak is you. And life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's why I speak to yourself. You're crazy if you don't speak to yourself. David did. Bless the Lord, all my soul. And all that is within me, praise his holy name. I'll forget none of his benefits. He heals all of my disease. He forgives all of my sin. And as far as the east is from the west, so he's removed his transgressions from me. And he remembers them. Watch this. And he remembers them no more. If God doesn't remember them, then neither should you. But the enemy loves shame and he loves guilt. You did do something wrong and there is something wrong with you. But the cross says something very different. The cross says it was finished. It was finished to Telestai. When that cross went into the ground, it was a prophetic picture of Golgotha of the cross going through the enemy's head. He will strike your heel, but I will crush his head. The enemy's head is crushed. He's defeated. That's why he's a snake. He has no feet because he is defeated. Okay. Woo! Okay. And for sin, everyone say sin. You know, in Hebrew, we don't talk about sin enough, but we need to. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race with perseverance. The race has been marked out for us. Let us throw off everything that hinders, watch this, and the sin that so easily entangles. Can I just say this? It's easy to fall into sin. The Bible says so. And the sin that so easily entangles. So you can all relax a little bit. But if you sin, that doesn't make you a sinner. It just means then 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us for all unrighteousness. And he applies it to the cross. Isn't that great? This is why it's called the gospel. This is why it's good news. It sounds too good to be true. It is too good and it's too true. <laughs> it is. It's so good. God is good. Amen. Okay. So there's the sin of omission and there's the sin of commission. The sin of commission is that you did something wrong. And the sin of omission is that you didn't do what you should have done. And I think often, I just, just, I'm nearly done. Often, it's the sin of omission that we commit more often. It's not just the things that we do wrong. It's the things that God has asked us to do that we fail to do. And I want to suggest to you this morning that God is speaking to us as a house about getting out of the parking lot and walking through doors. And if we don't do that, that would be the sin of omission. The sin of omission is God has asked us to do something, but then we don't do it. The sin of commission is, I did something that I shouldn't have done. You hear me? But it's really important that if we believe God is speaking to us, that we do it. And you know, if we do it, then God will speak to us more. That's what happened in Genesis chapter 13. When Lot was no longer present, 
God began to speak. But often, there are certain things that God won't speak to us while Lot is present. There are certain things that God won't speak to us where we are just clothed in the flesh, where we're living in the flesh. There are certain things that God won't speak to us while we're driving around a parking lot. Because there's certain things that God wants to show us and certain places God wants to take us and that it takes a road and a highway and traffic lights and stops and people and people honking horns and road rage is life. But God wants to navigate us through those places to get us to our destination. Therefore, we have to say, we're going to separate ourselves from the flesh, from the lot. Amen? And get out. You know, I spent a day, I, I try regularly to, to take my children away for a night somewhere, just the two of us on our own. So I have three boys. The twins are 15, and I have Jonah, who's somewhere. Boom. Hi, Joe. Um, Jonah, how old are you? I know, old Joe. I'm just making sure you know. Jonah's 11. And... Uh, we were walking through a mall um, the week before last, and we came across this uh, simulator. And there were people screaming, and in it just looked really cool. And so we paid the five bucks, and we sat in, and they put these goggles on. And you're like in this dome, and your legs are sticking out. And, they, and I said, so we said, so what's the best one? Is it a roller coaster? Is it, an, is it an airplane? He said, no, the best one is a pendulum. You know, there's one of those massive swings, like those goes down and then rocks and then goes right the way over like a huge swing. So we're sitting in it and we put it on and the thing starts moving. I mean, it's really realistic. I mean, you really think you're there. You're you're like, ah, there's people screaming and shouting and swinging their legs. But and you you go all the way down and you can hear the music as it gets as it gets louder as you go close to the floor and then it goes up and you can see everything and see for miles and then it swings down you can feel your stomach just going and you're like oh my gosh and it's you're going round and round and the, and it's people clapping and shouting and you're just there and then suddenly it stops and you take the thing off and you're in the mall there's just people walking around it's like oh wow that was so real you know Sometimes we're like that in the church. Sometimes we can live with a virtual reality church. Sometimes we can think there's something happening. Well, I want to suggest to you maybe there's nothing happening. There is up here and there is in here and all that's good, but it's got to translate to the world. Otherwise, we, just, we leave here like we're going to do in a few minutes. Nine to be exact. And it can be like being in a mall and you take the screen off. You're like, oh, nice sunny day. And on we go with our life. Rather than saying, hang on a second. That was not a simulator. That was the word of the Lord that spoke to us this morning. And when I come out of that little pod and I walk out into the streets, I realize God himself has spoken to me and he's touched me and he's changed me so that I can bring change. Amen. Okay, nearly done. So, what's your lot? That's my question I want to leave with you today. What is your lot? Is it a mindset? Is it your environment? Is it the attitude? Is it an unhealed heart? Is it sin? What's your lot? When lot disappears, God appears. When your lot disappears, God appears. When we move out of our lot into the main roads, into real life, That's when God appears. That's when God spoke. Abraham, from where you are, look up. 
and see that I've given you the north, the south, the east, and the west. I've given it all to you. I wish I had time to read it, but you can read it yourself. There are certain things, I'll say it again, that God can't show you in the presence of Lot. There's certain things that God can't show you in the presence of the flesh. And that's why we have to say, God, what are those things? Holy Spirit, what are those things in my life that I have to get rid of so that you can speak afresh to me? Isaac said to me, Dad, I drove on the main road with Mum today. Judah said, Dad, I'm afraid to go on the main road. Two boys, 15 years old, twins so alike in so many ways. One was ready and one wasn't. I said, son, you will be ready. And once you do it once, you get out there, you're going to realize, ha, this is amazing. This is fun because it actually takes me on a destiny. It actually gets me where I need to get going. Church, I want to say to you today that whatever is your lot, whatever is causing you to hold back, whatever is causing you fear, whether it's an attitude, whether it's the the, the familiarity, whatever it is, whether it's a mindset change, whether it's sin, whether it's an unhealed heart, if you, I'm going to pray in just a moment. In fact, the worship team, if you can come. Um, I'm going to pray in just a moment. And, And I believe God... Today is going to, lights are going to go green, doors are going to open for you, and God is going to say things to you today and tomorrow and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. You're like, why is God suddenly speaking? Why are these doors opening? It's because you let Lot, left Lot behind. Amen? Amen.